0: If you're a church leader, you know that volunteers are busy. They're always on the go. So trying to get them into a room for training is next to impossible. The brand new version of Ministry Grid gives you the ability to meet your people where they are and train anyone, anywhere, at any time. With a new mobile-friendly design, Ministry Grid puts training in the pockets of those who need it, wherever they are and whenever it's convenient for them. Ministry Good also offers 750 courses for every role in your church so that you can use it right out of the box or customize it by adding your own content to complement what we have already put together. To get started for free, just go to MinistryGood.com. Once again, that's MinistryGood.com. Now, enjoy our podcast. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm your host, Todd Adkins, and I'm here with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And we have a very special guest today. I know we say that a lot. I feel bad. But, but this guy's part of the Troika. <laughs> I like how you came up with that term, Todd. The Troika of Saddleback. He is a... He is a <laughs> yes. Nice. Do you, do you know what a Troika is? I have no
1: idea what a Troika Steve, is. do you know what a Troika is? I bet he does.
0: You, you called his bluff. I love
1: it. I thought it was some backwards Kentucky way of saying Trinity, no, but... It's, uh, I think it's
0: Russian, actually, <laughs> okay. and it's three horses... That are all pulling together at the same time. So, yeah. in a leadership setting, you know, if you have a, a plurality of leadership, um, or you have, um, you know, a, a number of guys who are pulling together to do the, the, you know, on the same thing, it's a very delicate balance, which is why
1: it isn't used very okay. often. Okay. So um, biblically, it'd be like the yoke. Sure. <laughs> well, I from
2: Trinity to yoke.
1: <laughs> it's easy.
0: The for burden. Sure. Well. All right. Well, okay. So what you need to know about Steve, he's been uh, a friend of Lifeway Leadership and a friend of ours for a long time. Um, He actually does the training pathways for uh, small groups on the ministry grid. And today we really wanted to talk to him about um, how to lead small groups well and just walk through five questions. It's a lot of people that are listening to the podcast are, yes, you know, church leaders uh, which means at some time or another, they're usually leading a group in addition to the, some of their other responsibilities. So,
1: Yeah, what's really neat about Steve and his contribution in Ministry Grid is not only was he part of the first round of content that was filmed on small groups, but you were so good the team actually (laughs) brought you back. (laughs) And I think, no, no, no. I think you're the only guy that was brought back. Yeah. To film all our content. So if you want to train your volunteers, your leaders, your ministry directors, your, your small group pastor on how to lead small groups, lead a small group ministry. That's what Steve does on ministry grid. So, so
0: what that is, is a map, not a menu. And we wanted one voice, you know, we had um, Donahue and, Reed Smith and a bunch of other guys that were also contributing who made great sessions. But when we said, hey, we want one guy to come in and do it uh, tip to tail with a specific pathway in mind, it was Steve. So we have we still have all those other (laughs) sessions and they're all great. Um, But, you know, this was this is who we got. So not that we built it up too much.
1: So (laughs) hope you do well, Steve.
2: (laughs) I hope they go look at it.
1: <laughs> I hope awesome. they do. Well, today, because we wanted to focus on how to lead a small group, let's start off with the first question, which is why are small groups important?
2: Now, I mean, I mean, outside the word because they're biblical. Uh, you know, <laughs> all right. Next uh, I question. Think there's, uh, I, I think there's the, the holistic approach that, you know, we look at. I mean, we're all in the discipleship business. I mean, we can call it groups. You can call it Sunday school. You can call it. You know, whatever terminology you want to use, but we're all about bringing people to Christ and helping them go that sanctification route where they work out that uh, that whole process of being a follower of Christ and doing it the best way possible. And so, you know, you see how God orchestrated the church and that when Jesus came out of his temptations, the first thing he did was he formed a small group. He brought some guys in at some point in time, theologians will debate. They came, became followers of Christ and they became the movement makers of, of what happened. And I think that we see through that just the, the whole process. If you want to see life change happen, it's not going to be from one talking to many. Although It's a very important part of church, but it's going to be people working that out practically in who they are to see life change happen. And then you just look at Acts. You know, when the church was birthed, the front half of Acts two was temple courts. The mm. back half, of Acts two, was house to house. And so you you see the normative playing out of the of uh, the powerful piece of temple courts court and house to house, and how they complement each other in, in, in just in how they're designed. Um, yeah, temp, temple courts is a little bit more geared uh, towards the head and. And uh, the house-to-house movement, small groups was a little bit more geared towards the heart. One's set up in rows, one is more set up in circles. One's about presentation, one's about conversation, one's about information, one's about transformation. And you kind of mm-hmm. get how they they are they play back and forth to each other just to, to see how God did orchestrate this in a very strategic way. And even when you look at the 58 one another, it's clear. The practical application of the Bible, of who Jesus is, can't happen in isolation or being hidden in a crowd.
1: Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you, uh, what I'm hearing from you, Steve, because a lot of times when I think of small groups, I think Steve Gladen. Right. I mean, like you, your name and small groups are really synonymous uh, within the North American world. And I know there's a huge impact that you and your book has been having having uh, across the world recently. Uh, but when what I hear from you saying is just the fact of um you know living out that one another's not being not growing in isolation spiritually, but needing to be in community.
2: yeah, I mean, it's just I mean we're all we all have fallen natures, and we're we're very good at compartmentalizing and we don't like to uh, you know, the hard things we don't naturally gravitate towards. And so part of what that that working out is is just seeing how God really created. That, that intimacy so that you could have fellowship where you can be who you are and you can be discovered and you, you realize there's, there's a lot of mess in there and mess is uncomfortable. And that's why people love to go to the temple courts because you don't have to deal with the mess. Um, but, but when you look at all the letters in the epistles, that's all they were, were mess. Yeah. And so part of a, how you work that out in community uh, in in a biblical fashion is how God designed it, which is through both the temple courts and the house to house. I think of Acts 542, where it says, you know, day after day from the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop proclaiming that Jesus is Christ. And you see how the two work well
1: together. Yeah, I love that. I love that.
0: I'm trying to, I'm I'm desperately trying to get to my phone to look up a quote because I can't remember who said... Um, who said it, but sin demands, uh, it was Bonhoeffer and I thought it was Bonhoeffer. It's sin demand, sin demands to have a man by himself.
2: Yeah, I think that is Bonhoeffer. I think he got
0: it. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, is that Bonhoeffer? No, that's not Bonhoeffer. Oh, I gotta go look. It's, it's either Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer, Lewis, or Spurgeon. Yeah, exactly. I could have got away with any one of those. But <laughs> that's the reality. Um, when I think about the times that I've been um, most spiritually healthy in my life, it's when I am connected to a group of people who are committed to each other and, you know, that aren't, that that we've done some life together together. Um, and they aren't um, terribly impressed with me, or they're not impressed with me so much as that they won't tell me what my issues are, or address yeah, things.
2: T- yeah, testimony after testimonies of people. You know, they it, it is that you just you need that that backdrop. You need that lifeboat of people that will help be there not only in your changing experiences of life, but also when their life is changing experience, and then and then working that out to the fulfillment of you know getting below that water level so you can feel comfortable with each other. And you're, you're right, Todd. I mean, you know, even in my own small group, it, was, it wasn't but one week when Lisa talked about her marriage and they're like going, oh, well, I don't have to call you Pastor Steve anymore.
0: So <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. So uh, let's move on to uh, question two. What are some of the basics that a small group leader needs to know?
2: Well, you know, you can go so many routes with this question, but I I think where I'm going to take it is when you look at the Bible in the New Testament specifically, the, the, the church, the whole New Testament is built on a family system. It's not built on a governmental system, although a lot of churches try to structure their church like the government and tend to be about as effective as the government. Uh, it's not built on a corporate system. It's not designed to have a, you know, everything is about the bottom line. Uh, it's not even built on a school system of, you know, semesters and that. The Bible is built on a family system. And that's why the most important qualification of a pastor in Timothy is, can you run your family?
1: Hmm.
2: Now, when you look at the motifs across the New Testament and you see that they're mainly parent-child, they're not teacher-pupil, that may seem like an insignificant answer when you're asking that question, you know, what, are the, what are the basics for a small group leader to know? But when you know that the Bible's built on a family system, so much of what you look at your group, of, of, when you look at your group and how you handle your group, it's handled like a family. It's handled exactly like you would in your family. There's so many times group leaders come to me and they say, hey, we got this problem right here. And I go, how would you deal with that in your family? Uh, Well, I do this and this. And, you know, or they come, you know, hey, I got an unruly group leader. How would you deal with that if that was one of your kids? Oh, well, I do this, this and this. And I go, well, you do that, that and that. When you understand how God built the the church, the system it's built on, then you start to understand, okay, so that's the platform I'm working on. Then once you know that, then I would say, like in any family system, you've got to think in two big buckets, and that is, you want to build relationships. And then the other thing you want to do is you want to think developmentally. And those two play a, a huge role hand in hand because in a family system, you know, if you have absentee parents or an absentee father or dad, and you haven't built the relationships and then you, you're trying to run your family, it's going to be rough sledding, you know, when you're trying to make that happen. When you, uh, when you look at a parent, parents who are disengaged, and don't want to you want everybody else to raise their child but them then again you've got a family system that you know is is failing at its primary job so i would i would say to the to the group leaders out there very simply almost simplistic you could say hey how are you doing building relationships and the Mm -hmm. only way you build relationships is not just in the formal group time but it's in doing so many other things i always in training i say it's like looking at a house Uh, If you spend all your time just looking at it from the curb, you get one impression. And sometimes that's your small group time. But you've got to get around and you've got to do activities and you've got to do service projects and you've got to do other things that that get you in different limelights of walking through that life together with your leader so that, you know, you can build those relationships where they're just not seen in your living room or at church, but in other things. And then you strategically have to think through just like, you know, I have two kids and I mean, both Lisa and I strategically think through. OK, how are we developing them when when life brings something up? How do we respond to it and how do we use it as a teaching moment and how do we, you know, you know, thread those in so that it's just not, you know, sounding like, you know, oh, I got to go to school and here I go. Point number one of, you know, how to do this right. Jesus thing. Right. So it's a little bit more of that that relationship building, which is conversational, of course, and then thinking through the development pathway for each one of them.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Now now I mean you mentioned family as a as a big metaphor and and our third question is what are some common challenges? in the life cycle of a group and how to overcome them. And, and the first thing that came to my mind as you were sharing that was what if all you know is dysfunction in your family <laughs> and the way you would yeah. deal with an overtalker is, you know, you just punch them and say, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how maybe talk, that, address that. that sounds like a good way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe, <laughs> uh, so maybe address that and also just the, the idea of the common challenges that you see in the life cycle of a group.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, obviously you, you bring up a great point at that. And I, I t- always talk to, to most, um, small group types is that you, you've got to have, get to know your small group system and how you, how you've got that developed. And, uh, oftentimes what what we're telling them is, uh, people don't know what they don't know. Kind of like we ju- you just said, you said it as, as a joke and, uh, assuming it's a joke, yeah. uh, but you said <laughs> it's a joke and, um, and, and you're right people don't know what they don't know so they're yeah. they're kind of new to this Christianity game or maybe they even if they've been in it a while maybe the church prior to them or has modeled something a little goofy and so you've got to have clear outsets because you can't think developmentally if you don't know what you're developing yeah so we'll always say that in most churches I mean I have pastors all the time call me and say you know hey uh, and this has to deal with the whole life cycle thing you say but it's more corporate 40,000 foot view of the church, but if church doesn't know what it's producing and isn't telling people what they're producing, then you've already got a messed up family system. And so a lot of pastors call me and say, Hey, I want to start small groups. And I go, Hey, what are you trying to produce? Because churches are great at the cute slogans that you have of what you're trying to do for us. you know, our end of mind is purpose driven life. Mm. Uh, you know, but if you don't flesh that out, and so not only do, does your group need, to, in order to understand stuff, not only needs to know what it's trying to produce, but it needs to know the pathway to get there. And then on that pathway, you need two guardrails. You, you need a, uh, a process guardrail and a people guardrail. And, and those process guardrails answer some of your questions, you know, of what's leader training look like? Yeah. What does video curriculum look like? It's just not a smorgasbord pick any video curriculum you want. The video curriculum's got to play to what are you trying to produce, mm-hmm. and then what are the tools we've been developing to get that? And then on the people side of it, it's it's more you know trying to deal with okay, who are the people that are going to come alongside them and saying, "Ooh, I, I know you thought punching them in the face was good, but uh, you know, let me let me coach you on you know how you could do that a little bit better." But the important side in that in that people uh, part of the guardrail is understanding that you've you got to know data on the person. And I'm not talking about the hard data of name, address, phone number. I'm talking about what's the soft data? You know, what are the dates that are important to them? You know, you start out with birthdays and anniversaries, but you move a little bit deeper into sports. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you move a little <laughs> bit deeper
1: to
2: you know, knowing, you know, where God wants to shape them. And so that's kind of the backdrop of, you know, what you're looking at uh when you even begin to set up uh the group um you know cycle but i totally agree with you you got to think of family and yeah. family at how you you start to think what kind of family system do you have inside your group
0: so <clears throat> part of that uh, of course is you you talked about um development a little bit earlier and i think it was more on the the spiritual side but when you think about leadership development and how that's that's coming when people are coming up and through a small group system Um, what what does that look like so you know leading a group well in part means that I'm looking for other leaders and how am I drawing them up um, or drawing that leadership element out of them and hopefully putting them into play
2: Hmm. yeah and I, and I, I guess I would touch on it in in almost three different areas one would be in the, on the church side of it. And that's why I was touching on, in order to develop leaders, you gotta know what you're trying to produce. At Saddleback, you know, it's the purpose-driven life. And we're trying to build someone who's balancing the great commission and the great commandment in their heart. So the church's job in in this whole thing of developing leaders is being clear what kind of leader are we trying to develop? Mm -hmm. Now that's gonna spawn off into many different specialty sides, but you gotta know in the area of discipleship, what 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 are you trying to um, to build or what are you trying to develop? Um, and the small group ministry side, it's, it's developing that infrastructure, as I was telling you about with the guardrails, but also thinking a little bit more than just, um, you know, very simplistic, that it's just one person that plays into that person like the small group leader. But there are many things that, you know, there's the old saying, it takes a um, a village to raise a child. Mm. And in the same way, uh, in order to develop leaders, you've gotta have a village that is increasing that pipeline all the time and developing it. And for us, when we look at a a small group, whether you can call it Sunday school class, whatever you wanna call it, but when you're looking at a small group, it's gonna be important for you to see what are the, who are the people in that village or around you that are influencing that small group. And it sounded like we kind of identify 12 of them that are influencers into that healthy small group. One of them may be the the senior pastor from the from the stage. And that's an important place to, you know, to always be saying, you know, all leaders are learners and that you're trying to develop people and, and challenge them to their their next steps. But inside that small group is the ability to say, okay, we we have a process for what we're doing, and we have a yeah. process for how we're trying to develop leaders, and, and for us, it's just that—that that simple part of it. You know, first off, you got to in your small group, you got to develop relationships, and we always walk them through. You want to speak truth into their lives, but that's got to be built on a platform of trust. Yeah, and in order for them to trust you, it's got to be built on a platform of time, mm. and so you know, you spend time with them i.e., your small group, you develops trust. So you can challenge them with a truth of, of leadership development. Then you also want to have clear, you know, roles and responsibilities so that, you know, you could, you know, move beyond the relationship to say, hey, could you try this? Yeah. Could you just, you know, t- dip your toe into the water with that. And then if I was a true saddlebacker, which I should be by this <laughs> decade in my life there, I can't think of another R, but you got you gotta know your development <laughs> pathway. And yeah. for us, we're always, uh, and it's the same way you do this with your kids too in a family system, uh, or my wife does with me. Uh, but uh, you gotta be able to think of whenever you have an opportunity, people are gonna gravitate to one or two place. They're mm. gonna gravitate towards a risk, or they're gonna gravitate towards fear and not take that leadership role. Yeah. And so in the risk phase, to make sure it's a developmentally appropriate crawl, walk, run, so that they'll take the risk. And when they're successful with the risk, then the beauty is it builds their faith so mm. that when the next opportunity comes around, they're more likely to take the risk than being paralyzed by fear. That's good. And I mean, I look at that with my kids. You know, every time I gave them something, if I, if I got it to where they could be successful, it would build their faith in who they were.
1: Yeah.
2: Psychologists would say this is confidence. But, I mean, biblically, you're talking about, you know, it's faith. And you look at the, you do that with your kids, but you look at the life of David. His first responsibility was 10 sheep, 1 Samuel 17. And he did that well. And then over the course of time, a couple different animals came in, a bear and a lion. And he took those opportunities and he killed one and built his faith. And the next opportunity, another animal comes in, he kills that lion and and builds his faith. And then Goliath comes along and, you know, he, it's no surprise that he'll gravitate towards a risk then be paralyzed by fear.
1: Yeah.
2: And so he you know, kills Goliath and he's a teenager, of course. So he cuts his head off to prove his point. Uh, but then the, the next the next thing is what we see, the beauty of scriptures. God moves him from in Psalm um, um, 78, 70 through 72, he moves him from pastoring sheep to pastoring the nation of Israel. Hmm. So when you're looking for leaders in your church It starts long before the need happens. Yeah, that's good. It starts in the grassroots of each one of your group leaders challenging people in strategic ways built on your paradigm of your church so that you can develop leaders down the road.
1: Yeah, so as you're developing leaders along the way, uh, and, and I really appreciate how you put it, and even even the fact for a group you know it takes time and you have to develop trust let's play that out a little bit more and, and the, the leader is developed in a group um you know how what what is your posture on on multiplication of of small groups because when I was a, a small groups pastor, I, I remember that just being such a tension that our, our you know our congregation just didn't want to multiply their groups because time over time they had built trust
2: mm-hmm well, that, that's a great thing about this program. You get five questions, and you've already asked them. So uh, <laughs> next time, well, no wait,
0: We're we've, we're <laughs> no, we still have a mean, couple more. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: you, you bring up a great question, and so part of what you got to think through is that when you when you look at missions, you had never taken an American idiom overseas because it's not cross cultural.
1: Mm.
2: But yet, when you look at what's influenced groups in the United States. It comes from three primary buckets. It usually comes from Ying Kai, uh, yep. who does tea for T training in China. Not, not a bad system. I mean, he only baptized, I think 300,000 people last year. So, you know, not, not, not too shabby of a system. A little fruit. Uh, or, or you have, uh, Paul Young Cho, the cell movement, yep. which was brought stateside predominantly by Dale Galloway in the seventies uh, and eighties. And then, uh, of course, Carl George wrote uh, the Meta Church and brought, the, you know, that to it or the G12 movement um, yeah, in right. um, uh, Bogota, Colombia from Cesar Castellan. And so you look at them, the The principle was evangelism. But the methodology was rapid cell multiplication. And I would okay. say if that works in your church, great. But Daniel, I we had the same problem. And for the first 10 years or so, I kept on trying to do what the book said. Book said. You start with one group, goes to two, yep. two goes to four, four goes to eight, and, the, and you know the multiplication happens. But one of the things that I saw is that I'm fairly persuasive and a fairly good salesperson, and I would you know preach the call of Christ and you know and you know I was raised Catholic, so I bring a little bit of guilt and bring a little <laughs> Bible and you know <laughs> yeah. and I couldn't get groups to to multiply. Yeah. And so what I had to do was look at why. And when you look at our Western culture, and you understand that the Bible was built on a family system. Mm. What you quickly discover is that our family system is shattered.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, divorce is in the fifth generation easy of destroying the family. Um, if you look at the most current stats, forty-six um, percent of children today across the United States are raised in a nuclear family of one mom and one dad. Can't do the math quick enough to understand, well, what is that, 53% or 54 or something like that. Yeah. Over half the children are raised in a step-family environment. So, you know, their idea of a family system is very distorted. Mm. And then you add in, you know, just other cultural things like military, kids that are part of military, you're moved around, your family system is torn up. Uh, when you, mm. I have a daughter that's, over in, in, well, not right now. She's in study abroad right now, but she goes to university there in Nashville, you know, where you guys are housed. And, you know, so if she would meet a guy, which she won't in Nashville, (laughs) uh, but if if she did and said, I want to marry him, you know, she's going to be moving out. And then you look at our, our business. Businesses, you know, most college graduates have got to go to another city outside of where their family is. So I say all that to say, when you have culture that is working to fracture community, what happens in a small group, kind of like you just said, Daniel, you start to spend some time together, and you know what they're saying to you? I found biblical family.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And there's no way I'm gonna let go of this. So yeah. now you're back to the same drawing board. Principle is evangelism. Mm. Now what's your methodology? So for us at Saddleback, what we do is we say, kind of like what Jesus said, Jesus was perfect at ministering to the twelve. And touching the masses and so you have to get around a paradigm shift here because our culture would say clicks are bad you know when you you know understand what i'm saying with that Mm -hmm. that you know if you just anchor down with your friends only that's bad and the reason it's bad is if you don't care about the masses and so jesus you know when he had the 12 disciples he had a click hate to tell you he had a click 12 people and if you really want to get screwy in the in the relational dynamics Three of them were closer than the other nine. Yep. And I don't know how that all played out yep. dynamically, but it is clear. Peter, James, and John were closer than the other ones.
1: And then he had the beloved disciple. <laughs> yes. And <then> <laughs> Even the, more. <laughs> make another category. Yeah.
2: So then what, you gotta, what you're doing with that is then, then you got to understand that we tell our groups, hey, you can grow deep, but you can't let go of personal evangelism. So if you wanna if you wanna go deep in your group, which is important to do, you can't you know shut out the outside world. When my daughter made cheer as a freshman, I said, "Hang around with your your, your cheer girls and have fun like that." But the moment you walk down the hallway and you can't interact with somebody outside that peer group, then you've lost the responsibility to to do that, mm. and I'll take you out of it. And so it's important to understand that, you know, your group, once they quit caring about what's outside of them, that's when it's dangerous. And so for us, we use a campaign strategy. I could talk to you for two more episodes easily on that. Yeah.
1: No, I appreciate that. We should have yep. one. We should have one on strategic campaigns. Yeah. That would be a good one. No, well, we should. Let's. You just invited yourself back on the podcast, Steve.
0: Yay.
2: This is how I got to do the Minister Grid stuff. Yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: I'm I'm really good at
2: this stuff. You should have me back. <laughs> Think what my mom said about me.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Good deal. All right. Um before I, I do ask question for it, I've been I have uh been evaluating myself this entire podcast because I'm definitely a groups guy and I'm definitely an open groups guy, but the reality is all my open groups have been closed at some point <laughs> where You know, we just either stopped inviting people, people stopped coming, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I I still go on vacation with a small group from D.C., and we've done that for almost 12 years, 13 years now. And I have mentioned it on the podcast before, but I was trying to decide, is that healthy or not? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, some ways I think it's healthy and, and, and some ways I don't. It takes us about three hours, and it just feels like home, and it feels like family. And so... You know everything that you said. I think was really important. Now we're all over the world, literally, uh, and people will come in from different countries uh, to 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 this vacation. But um, just a really, really cool thing to think about um, how powerful groups can be in our lives and how sticky it can make your church. So,
2: and that's you brought up a great point, Todd. Is that that whole piece of you've got to understand the culture that you live in, and I would say, you know, I know a lot of people that. That use the the different models I said before from outside of the United States, and my goodness, if that works for you, oh my goodness, do it because the the name of the game is evangelism, and then turning them into followers of Christ. So mm-hmm. any way it, it can work for you, go for it. I'm just saying personally in Southern California, in our our you know 20 campuses that we have floating around different parts, that it's just that's what's been fracturing, that's what's been hurting them.
0: Good deal. All right, I'm going to go to question four. You still have two more, Steve. Question wow, four.
2: I answered all these, man. What's is happening? as a pastor
0: and as a group leader, how can you make sure that your small groups are connected to the church and do not go rogue? Yeah.
2: I, again, I would. Um, you you got to think through all these these different levels. One is from the church side asking. Have you have you been clear about what's rogue and what's not rogue?
1: Mm.
2: Now, if you watch Rogue One, everything's cool, but uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure you're not talking about that. But uh, but Rogue in the in the worst mean, generally most groups don't start in your church saying, "I wonder how I can mess my church up." Right. I wonder how Usually, I can join the
1: resistance.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can see this theme is going. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, But the other side of it is the church has to answer the question, have we been clear? Mm. Not just by learning a phrase, purpose-driven life, but by giving them the tools and the pathways that everything that's necessary. So I think the church has to answer, am I being clear? Because it's like in a family system. I can't punish my kids for something I didn't teach them. um, So you got to do do it on that side of it. Then you got to go a layer down in your small group. Ministry and start to you know work through those those dynamics of saying, hey, do we have guardrails up? Mm-hmm. Do we even have a pathway? Are we even clear on our end in mind so that we can get our groups to that to that destination point? And then for the small group leader, you gotta you know kind of keep keep going through there. And we tell our group, always ask questions, stay in touch with us. You know, if you distance yourself from us, you know what you're doing. You're going rogue
0: <laughs> mm, right
2: you're going in you're going in isolation and that's where the devil likes to uh pick you off so sure. uh and the other thing i would just say no matter what you do in your church and as church leadership you know i would i would call a couple groups not that you're policing your um your small group people or their infrastructure that they have set up but uh, i was with uh cheryl Bachelder, elder who uh, used to be the um the CEO of uh, Popeyes Chicken, and you know, I was talking to her about our whole group system, and and she's going, "How often do you skip level?" And I'm like, "Going, it sounds like a game, but uh, well, what is that?" And she's talking about, you know, periodically. Uh, although in their system at, at Popeyes, that, you know, they had infrastructure that would do quality control periodically. You've got to do that too. So as a pastor, we, we tell all you know, with our small group pastors uh, and our in our community leaders that we have in place that help, you know, build healthy groups and things like that. You know, we'll do surveys into the groups. We'll also do some calls into the groups. I'll do some calls into the groups just to, to ask some quality control. Skip leveling isn't bad. So yeah, it's just a, it's just a usually what happens in churches is nobody tries to go rogue. It's just, we, we do the turn, the tyranny of the urgent, we tend to add more into our schedules and our churches are far too busy than they need to be. And so what happens is it stops us from doing the main thing, yeah. the main thing. Yeah. And so uh, we, we, we're our own worst enemies.
1: Yeah. And that's why roles and responsibilities, having a clear job description, having what what you said earlier, Steve, with the expectations is such a key thing. But Steve, I mean, I, I'm just thinking if if I'm a pastor of a hundred person church or, or mm-hmm. I'm a pastor of a couple hundred person church and I don't have associate pastors who can go call uh, who can go um, kind of coach these groups. How much should that pastor take on that role? Or is it really, they have to do it through others?
2: Well, I mean, bottom line, I don't care what size church you are, you're never going to have enough time to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> uh, That's why you've always got to raise volunteers. Yeah. And that's what you, you guys specialize in. So I love about Lifeway. It's all about the pipeline. It's mm-hmm. how you develop it. And, and every one of those ministry grids kind of help every person say, okay, how do I build volunteers into this? And the same thing I would say with, um, you know, uh, with your um, your churches, you know, I've got two kids and a wife and I barely can handle, you know, knowing where we're we're all on track spiritually. Yeah. And so as a pastor of a church of a hundred, you can't. So you've got to build layers in there, but I'm not talking about it all the time, but if I was in a church of a hundred, you know, twice a month, I call a group leader or two mm. and just say, how's it going? I love you. And how, how's your, uh, how's my volunteer working for you? It, they, they are the most awesome person on this planet. You reaffirm your leadership and you let them bring up, you know, anything they want to, but you're just trying to do that. So, you know, it's important, you know, just, uh, you know, here's the, again, in the family system, hate to just keep beating on this, but just because you say it doesn't mean people do it. Yeah. Know, Rick's got a one of his many rickisms uh but he says people don't do what you expect they do what you inspect. And it, it's 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 true with, you know I like
1: that. Kids, I hear like that
2: a lot. <laughs> it, it's true. It's true in leadership development.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, I love that. People don't do, do what, what you, you expect, expect, they, they do what you inspect. inspect. <laughs> yeah. That's good. All right. So last question, landing the plane. Uh well, how can a small group leader effectively recruit and develop other small group leaders?
2: Again, you know, this is, um, you, you got to think developmentally, crawl, walk, run. And so, you know, in that, you got to survey your group. When you're thinking developmentally, there's some people who are going through a season of life where they need just to, just to sit and just be ministered to. Mm. Um, there are other people, though, that they're in a season of life where they may be playing one too many golf games or doing, you know, one too many bo- bunko outings or something like that. And, you know, you got to, you've got to get to know, you know, where people are at, but the, but the bottom line is you want to challenge people to some step, whether it's them working on their own personal life. What's your spiritual next step? We're hammering that into our groups all the time of uh, being able to say, um, being able to say, you know, what is your spiritual next step? Now, like if the three of us were in a group, I may not, you know, need to know, Daniel, what your spiritual next step is. But I need to know that who are you working on it with so you can be able to say, you know, hey, you can say I'm working on it with Todd and I can go, hey, Todd, you know, how, how's it going? Working with Daniel. He goes, I don't know. Uh, then I know, you know, Daniel, you're a liar. Uh, but, uh, you know, <laughs> part of what you you've got to do is you build in these systems so that, you know, people understand the challenge. And then you you also build in your church culture, the priesthood of the believers, that every member is a minister. And you start to helping people say, where is your ministry? You know, it may not be up on stage or, you know, not may not be, you know, running, you know, one of these huge projects, but everybody is a, you know, is, is a contributor. You're trying to get everybody out from the audience and into the army. It's kind of like a football game. You you got, you got. 22 people on the field desperately in need of rest where you've got 40,000 people who are in desperate need of exercise watching them. And so churches are like that. And so you have your core volunteers, but part of what you've always got to be doing is looking into the grassroots level. Uh, I'll never forget when we started uh, our first regional, um, me and another pastor were sent to a conference in Dallas to, to learn about doing regionals because we were kind of a little bit late to the game uh, of doing them. And so we were trying to learn from that. And we were discovering that, you know, the technology that we needed to use, uh, church in Oklahoma City had already figured it out. So, so we go from, um, you know, Lake Forest, California to um, Dallas, Texas, and then we end up going up to Oklahoma City to, to talk to them. And they're like going, yeah, here's the person you need. And we look on the business card and the business is in Lake Forest, California. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh, surely not. And sure enough, person person's a member of a Saddleback. No you know? way. That's awesome. <laughs> one level deeper, and you you go, uh, are they in a small group? And, of course, they're on one of our rosters. They're in a small group. So I'm talking to a small group, they go, hey, what's so-and-so doing? Well, he's bringing the snacks. And you're like going – good Lord, you, Yeah. You, oh, you've got a monster of a person right there and you've got them on stack detail. And so, <laughs> you know, we're by no means perfect at this game,
1: but That's awesome.
2: you've got to get your group leaders <laughs> helping everyone discover how God gifted them so that they can develop someplace in there. And so it, it's, you know, I don't think the churches lack the resources. I think the church lacked the ability to, to shine the light on them. And part of it is, is because, you know, and I, I'm guilty of the same thing, that 20 percent that's always getting stuffed in your church. It is it's easy to go to the 20 percent. But what you got to be able to do is teach the 20 percent to say no. But before they you know cause upheaval in your church is they've got to be shining the light on the people that are in community to say, I've got to get you in the game. You cannot watch another game. You can't watch another weekend from the the grandstands. I got to get you you know, developed in there. So small group leaders have a a certain responsibility of that developmental side of saying, how am I thinking, developing of every person? What is their ministry? What are they awesome at? And how do I connect them to the church? And then the church has a responsibility along with the the small group infrastructure saying, okay, how do I get clarity on on what you're trying to do?
0: Love it. So good. Well, Steve, thank you so much for, um, being with us today. In fact, um, we have decided for the month of February that all of the content that you did on our Training Pathways, um, we're going to make available to our listeners for free. So Sweet. it's uh, it's basically broken down by uh, people that are new. So volunteers, um, leaders, and then finally like people that are directing an entire small group ministry. So you'll find those three levels of training uh, in GRID. In small groups, but also in pretty much every Mm -hmm. other element you could think of, every other ministry of the church, we've got that as well. So Yeah,
1: so be sure to go to ministrygrid.com, and you can go to our show notes to get the instructions on how to get access to that for February. Absolutely. I I
2: was going to say, I just gave a plug to Ministry Grid. I mean, for those, I mean, I'm a total groups person, but I was on there with a couple other guys, and the beauty, if you're in a church, uh, they've just done all the labor for you. You don't have to use everything verbatim that they do, but I mean, it's ushers, it's creators, it's traffic, it's anything weekend experience all the way to the, the nitty gritty of groups and Sunday school and just everything. So I would just encourage you you'd be, you'd be a fool not to learn from someone who's already laid the groundwork.
0: Good deal. Well, thanks, thanks very much. And we are going to uh, hold you to coming back and talking about campaigns. Because yeah. for us, mm-hmm. yeah. w- one of the most successful things that we did in connecting people to groups was you had the uncommitted, a large amount of uncommitted people, either we had asked them to be leaders, but they couldn't commit, or we asked them to join a group and they couldn't commit. But when we did a campaign and it was for a set period of time, man, we started oh, yeah. to see major engagement. And then those people actually figured out that they liked the group. Yeah. And, and so it's I such easy. Say,
1: it's such easy. Oh. And I mean, even my church right now, we're- doing a series on life's healing choices from you guys so we're preaching Ooh. through that man yeah. i i just preached on uh, admitting or no admitting need was the first week but the third one you know making a commitment letting it go and yeah. it's just so cool to see what god's doing through that series so thanks uh steve and your church and for all the good ministry that you guys are doing not only there but also resourcing all the other churches out there
2: yeah, well, it's a pleasure to do, you know, Rick is the obviously the tip of the spear and all that craziness. So it's fun to follow him and try to make it happen.
1: <laughs> Good deal. Well, you've been listening to the five leadership questions podcast. If you haven't yet reviewed and rated us on iTunes, please do so. It does help other people discover it. And and if you haven't subscribed or shared about this recently on social media with your friends, we would appreciate that. Share this with all your group pastor friends, anyone who is leading a small group, because we know this is going to benefit them as much as we hope it's benefited you. Well, we'll catch you next time.